welcome to the TPA podcast, a series of interviews with the Preston Associates Partnership of Executive Coaches. We will take a look at the trends driving business and leadership and offer insight and analysis on how you can become a better leader. I am your host, Tom Ritchie. The giving and receiving of feedback is a necessary part of our working lives. It's also something that the majority of workers welcome. A 2017 study found that 65% of respondents wanted to receive more commentary on their work from their colleagues. That doesn't mean that people and organisations are naturally good at it, or that the feedback received is necessarily effective. The recipient may not be open to change or be willing to be vulnerable. The feedback itself could be the issue, especially if it's not specific, authentic or delivered from a reliable source. These factors have a profound effect on whether feedback can lead to a change in working behaviours. Today, I'm joined by three TPA coaches based in the US, Luciano Nunez, Eileen Cassidy and Jackie McLeod, to discuss the importance of effective feedback and how involving your colleagues in the process can improve your performance going forward. Luciana, Eileen, Jackie, thank you so much for joining us today. What role does feedback play in helping us to reach a higher level of performance? I'll take that one, Tom. It's, um, it's, it's really a gift to get, go through the process of feedback. And individuals who actually have the courage and curiosity to participate always learn something. Um, and those that really decide to take action are the ones that end up elevating their impact and performance. And they're our favorite kind of clients because <laughs> they're coachable. Um, and the way we think about performance is we think about the capabilities and skills and competencies that are required to do the job. And then how does that individual want to show up in terms of their attitude and behaviors? And so we kind of discover all that in terms of what they want, how they wish to be seen and what they believe the capabilities and skills are for their role. And then we go into the feedback process looking to either validate you know, what is it that they're doing really well and what are the things that they should keep doing, maybe do more of, and what are the things that might be holding them back, which could be maybe some blind spots that they have. I think about a recent young leader that I worked with who was at the top of his game, very high potential, high performing. He was viewed as the successor to the CEO, actually. And talk about blind spots. I mean, I came out of the feedback process thinking, oh boy, how is this going to land? Um, because he, didn't, he had no awareness of how he was coming across. But he was role modeling behaviors that he um, witnessed himself kind of growing up in this company that he was in. And, um, you know, really poor behavior, like shouting in meetings, shutting people down, really not listening. It's amazing how he was viewed as highly as he was. Um, but it was kind of crushing for him to really learn this in the feedback process. And so, you know, he had a choice to say, well, they don't know what they're talking about or, wow, let me really take this and do something with it. And I have to say, I get text messages from him almost every holiday um, sort of checking in with me and, and sharing how his whole life has changed as a result of the feedback. Even at home, he's a different dad and a different um, husband in terms of his listening and just his openness and humility has completely done a full 360. <laughs> Not No pun intended there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, reflecting on what Aileen is sharing because, you know, different clients bring a different mindset to feedback. And her, her example reminded me of a client that I was working with. 
And he was almost the, the opposite extreme. He was really very scared of feedback. He didn't want to get feedback. And he was hoping that the feedback would confirm his catastrophic thinking, meaning he was always in the lookout for where's the shoe, shoe going to drop. And actually, it was the opposite for him. It was an organization that wasn't so feedback forward, I would say. And for him, the feedback was so mind-blowingly positive that he actually didn't realize how much equity and how much strength he carried in the organization. It allowed him to completely change the way he showed up as a leader because he was so afraid all the time because of that catastrophic thinking mindset that something terrible would happen at any point in time when, when, when he realized that just, you know, it was a fantasy and, and not a fact it completely changed how he showed up. So for, for some people, it's actually the opportunity to see themselves in a light that they wouldn't allow themselves to be under. And Luciana, what are some of the differences in the way TPA coaches feed back to their clients? Well, you know, it's an interesting question, Tom, because feedback is actually not, not new. It has been around for a while. And what we see is that a lot of the organizations that we work with, they they most most of them have some sort of feedback instrument that they use, either a 360 degree feedback that is given online or feedback is part of their process of annual reviews. And these are good sources of information and data, but not necessarily actionable insight. And this is where I think the way we, we do feedback at TPA provides a big, big difference. It's, it's really all about going from the what to the so what and the now what. And our approach is different in a number of ways. Um, first of all, the backbone of the feedback process is really what we call the PRS approach, which is to focus on the person, the role, and the system. And because of the work that we do with the organization, but also we already have typically had by the time of starting a feedback process, we've had a couple of sessions with the client. We have a very good understanding for the person, the role that they're in, and the system in which they operate. And this PRS becomes the backbone of the feedback process. We typically also have a good understanding for what's the goal for the coaching process because we got a brief from either the HR manager or the or the manager of, of, the, of the client. So we have a pretty good understanding for this upfront. What we do is we collect the insights in one-on-one -on -one conversations. Typically the, the client picks stakeholders, typically anywhere between eight to 12 people. And we have in-depth one-on-one conversations with these people where we really go deep. And even though we have a set of common questions that we use across the board, because all of the DPA coaches are business people, at the end of the day, when we go through the process of gathering these insights live in that conversation, we often pick up certain insights and certain things that allow us to actually go deeper on the spot. And that's the difference between data gathering and insight mining. Often we call it, uh, we call it mining for gold because we really get to go much more deeply in the moment through some of those themes that come up. In fact, very often, at least, I don't, I don't know how my, my colleagues feel, but often in those conversations at the end of that chat, we hear, wow, that was much deeper than I thought. And it was very thought provoking for me because it really made me think about aspects of the business and my relationship with, with this person that I haven't considered before. So that's really where the insight comes uh, to life.
what we do after that collection is we gather themes. The feedback is completely confidential. We never reveal who said what. And in the themes that become common, that's what we gather and we play back to our client. Typically, the, the feedback uh, session is two to three hours long. It's, it's fairly deep and it's fairly you know, profound. And we typically start with you know, asking them, what do you think we heard? Because it also allows them to, to go through an exercise of self-awareness that is, that is very important. And just let them see how they see themselves in, in the light of their own perceptions. Through that feedback conversation, we play back the insights and most important, then we really translate those insights into the so what and then a what. And the actions that we take out of that feedback are fairly commonly the, the backbone of the coaching process that we will follow after. Something that I personally love doing that it's, it's really kind of unique for, for TPA and, and I'm a big fan and proponent of is to also include a feed forward process so that we can go from feedback to feed forward. And it's actually very simple, but, but very powerful. It's all about the client going back to the people that gave feedback because often feedback is a black box and people don't hear what happens after. But a big part is having the client go back to the people that gave feedback, their stakeholders, and say, first of all, thank you. This is what I heard. This is what I will work on. Will you please help me? That part of actually enlisting people to be part of that system of support is incredibly powerful, but it also has very, very deep impacts in the culture of the organization because that person all of a sudden becomes a role model for both courage, but also vulnerability to really put it out there and have other people, both colleagues, but also their boss, people that report to them, be able to be part of that process of improvement in their leadership. Yeah, I think I'd add one other point too, just to accentuate, we spent quite a bit of time, as Luciana said, on sort of, uh, you know, areas where they could really improve themselves and behaviors that they'd like to change. But also, we spend as much time on their strengths as we do their areas of development. And most of our coaches work in very fast-paced industries where there's not a lot of time for sort of positive feedback. So having that time for the coachee to really absorb what they are seen as strong at, it's, it is, it can be very, very powerful to the feedback process. Only other thing I would add is sometimes you're on the phone with, um, you know, maybe it's a cross-functional peer of the individual, and we're going pretty deep with that person to very confident in a very confidential context, by the way. And once people know it's confidential, and we're going to protect their feedback, you know, the intention is always to help people. So if they know they're not going to get hurt by the process, people tell you everything. So we get all the scoop. I mean, it's amazing how much an individual learns from the process because people do want to help them at the end of the day, even if they have a challenging relationship. But oftentimes we'll end up coaching the person we're on the phone with to get feedback for our the client we're actually coaching because they start to kind of put the mirror up to themselves to say, wow, like I probably could do a better job reaching out to her or him, or I could probably help this person a little bit more. And, you know, maybe I'll do that. Or uh, it's just very interesting how it ends up sometimes becoming a coaching conversation when really we're looking to get their absolute honest feedback on the individual. So that's always interesting. 
It allows us to help them reset too with, with people that they've had a difficult relationship with, as Eileen said, through either coaching or us just really advocating for our client and helping them build that empathy empathy for them. So, you know, asking them questions, what would you do if you were in his or her position or how would you handle something? So they can really start to begin to put themselves in their, their you know, usually, you know, their, their colleagues' shoes and, um, and we can start to really rebuild a relationship. Jackie, I'll, I'll come to you with this one. How do you work with someone that might be resistant to the process or is unwilling to change some of their patterns of behavior? That's a great question. I mean, oftentimes we can learn a lot about the potential coachee during a chemistry meeting. So if we have someone who really, really is resistant or, or we assess is a, is a performance problem, uh, we will tend to pass on, on those type of people. You know, coaching used to be, you know, around performance problems. And now it's so much you've been selected as a key talent and this is a gift for you. So in, in essence, pretty much everyone has a degree of resistance, as I think you've heard already, to this process, because it's not easy to hear both the what's working for you and what, what might be working against you. But, you know, if, if you encourage your coachee to really treat this as that type of gift, you know, where's the downside in learning more about yourself and learning the impact that you have on other people? Um, you know, the resistance disappears. And, and also as trust is built, you know, which, which takes time between a coach and a coachee, that resistance also, also really starts to shrink. They own the feedback. Everything that they say to us is confidential. And, um, you know, so it really does start to disappear. I mean, I have someone right now who we're pretty far along in our coaching process and he's a classic high, high IQ extremely low EQ and he would fight me on every piece of feedback that he'd gotten through, you know, statistics or, uh, you know, his brain. And I just kept saying to him over and over again, it really doesn't matter what you think. It matters how other people are experiencing you. And, you know, finally that resistance has disappeared to the point where he recently said, this has been the most painful, you know, rewarding experience he's been through. So, and then as far as behaviors go, as, as Luciana pointed out, this feeding forward process is super important and, and choosing a couple of stakeholders um, that you give real permission to, to call you out on behaviors, because obviously we're not in the organization and we have a you know, limited time relationship typically. Um, we really do ask them to allow people to call them out on old behaviors. Or even, you know, there are times when you get somebody in a coachable state and they really do want to change, you know, we, we encourage them to identify, you know, people that will give them the honest feedback. So before you go into the meeting, pull, you know, so-and-so aside and say, okay, I'm working on X, like watch me and I want feedback after this meeting if I've, if I've landed this the right way or however I come across. And 
people, you know, people that take the time to do that, they're the ones that end up being the winners. I love having clients go home and at their dinner table ask their kids, especially if they're young, what is it that daddy's doing that you wish he would stop doing? Or what what do you wish he would start doing that would improve our relationship? And boy, they come back, they're like, oh my God, my relationship with my kids has completely changed. They used to always do their homework in the other room. I mean, in this COVID context, they're all in the same room, but, um, you know, but now they're coming in the room and they're sitting around me and they want to be around me now. And so it's, it's, it's interesting. If you want to test getting feedback, start at home and, uh, that'll warm you up to the process because kids will tell you the truth. (laughs) And can you apply some of these principles that we're talking about to team performance? Oh, wow. That's a whole nother podcast, Tom. We are finding more and more, especially in this COVID context, how teams absolutely have a burning platform to improve their performance as a leadership team because their behavior absolutely dictates how it feels to work there. It dictates the culture. So we do a very comprehensive team coaching approach and it does start with a feedback process. And again, it's very extensive. So we're not gonna be able to cover it in the time we have here, but we find out in a confidential context from each member, what's working and what's not on the team. And trust me, we find out all the stuff. <laughs> and uh, we, never ha- we never have a cookie cutter approach to our team coaching because we're about improving the performance. So we find out early, before we even get in the room, what is blocking performance or what's supporting it. And then we design the whole team coaching intervention to block whatever's blocking them and to, you know really elevate a team's performance. And it has to do with both what they're trying to achieve commercially, are they aligned on that, and how they behave with one another. Yeah, and building on what Elaine is, is saying, you know, in the same way that in the one-on-one feedback process, the feed forward becomes a key enabler after the, the formal process is over. In these team conversations that Elaine is, is talking about, what we typically do is in the room, we start to equip them with courageous conversations, how to take the themes from that feedback and actually lean in and go deeper and not let the time just, you know, pass by. Use the opportunity of that trust that is being built as the teams are exposed to that feedback to really go deep in the moment. So it's it's pretty powerful when on the spot you get to exercise that muscle and go deep. So courageous conversations, I agree with Eileen and, and team feedback could be a whole a whole podcast in itself. Thank you for listening to the TPA podcast, available to download on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Acast and SoundCloud. We look forward to bringing you another episode very soon.